I want to take you back where we've been. We've, we've been, uh, last week we, we did a Seder supper. Um, that's what we did for Sunday morning. The week before, I introduced you to the Passover. It, it says in Matthew 26 that the disciples went to go celebrate the Passover. You know, Lord, where do you want us to set up the Passover at? So I, I talked about what the Passover was. And, and, and then last week we, we did communion, which happened at the Passover. The Last Supper was introduced then. Um, today, I want to take you after the Passover. After the Passover dinner was over with, um, just introduce you, introduce you to, to what's going on here. Things started getting bad. Things started getting bad. It was, it was a good night. I mean, the Passover, a celebration, it was great. And then they leave the upper room. And that night, Jesus was arrested. There was a trial in the middle of the night. And it was a horrible night. And apparently it was a horrible sight. In Isaiah 52, it prophesies this. Just as there were, were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. Now, we know that a lot of that would have happened when he was being whipped and then eventually when he was crucified. I don't know when it all began, but it was a horrible night. And Jesus prophesied it was going to be a horrible night. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 31 Jesus tells the disciples, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. This is the second most jarring thing that Jesus said that night. The first being that, Jesus, that one of them would betray him. Um, we haven't even dealt with that one yet. But here he says that you, you're all going to fall away. You're all going to desert me. And the question, how, how does he know? How does Jesus know this? And, and, and one of the answers is because it's prophesied. It, it, it says so in Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. It says they, that, that I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And, and I just want to point this out here. Um, we know that Judas was predestined to betray Jesus that night. And, and as I said, we haven't, we haven't even dealt with that yet. We're going to deal with that in a couple of weeks. Uh, Judas was predestined to betray Jesus. And, and I could ask you how, do you, how do you feel about that? What do you think about that? And that, that could open up a, a whole can of worms, an interesting discussion about Judas being predestined to betray Jesus. But I'm also seeing here that all the disciples were predestined to desert Jesus. What's the difference? What's the difference between the disciples deserting Jesus and Judas betraying Jesus? What's the difference? The good news is Jesus says it won't be permanent. In, in, in Matthew 26, verse 32, he says, And after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus knew what was going to happen that night. Jesus knew what the disciples were going to do. Jesus knew that what he was going to endure was more than they could handle. It was too much for mortal man. No one could endure what he was about to suffer. No one could endure watching what he was about to suffer. He would suffer the cross alone. Jesus knew what was going to happen, but he also knew what was going to happen afterwards. I'll meet you in Galilee. When I've risen, I'll, I'll meet you in Galilee. 
And then we get to the text today. Um, Matthew 26, verse 33, Peter replied, even if everybody else falls away, I never will. Not me, Lord. You can count on me, Lord. He says in verse 35, uh, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. You know what? Peter loves Jesus. Apparently more than everybody else, because he, I never will. Maybe, you know, everybody else, they got problems. I don't have problems. I will be with you through thick and thin. And you think about Peter. Peter, there was a lot of accomplishments that, that you could look at with Peter. Peter, he, he, he had left his family, his home, his business to, to be devoted to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to give Jesus his all. I mean, he walked away from it, every, everything so he could follow Jesus. And he had been trained by Jesus for three years. And then he had witnessed all the miracles. And, and he, he, was, he was with Jesus as, at, the, at, at the transfiguration. And, and Peter had walked on water. The rest of the disciples didn't do that. Peter did. He sunk, but he walked. It was, it was pretty cool. Jesus, Peter was devoted to Jesus. So you see the good, you see all the good, but, but there, are, there is some bad here too. When, when you think about Peter, and this is what stands out about Peter, this is why I think we all love Peter so much, is because like, we can identify with him. He's got issues. He's got problems, all right? We all got issues. We all got problems. And one of the things that, about Peter is that he was not, um, he didn't shy away from arguing with Jesus. Think about it. What's that? He's arguing with God. He, and he was always arguing with God. With, with Jesus. In Matthew, Matthew 16, when, when, when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And, and what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And remember what Jesus said, good answer, good answer, Peter. And then Jesus went on to, to, to say that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. That's what, what Jesus told the disciples that night. First time that Jesus introduced this new concept to the disciples, that he was going to be killed. And then on the third day, he would be raised to life. And remember what Peter said at that point? Peter, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. I won't let this happen to you. And, and, and what does Jesus say? Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He says, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but just the things of men. So, so right there, Peter is arguing with Jesus. Jesus, you got this wrong. You got this wrong. We're not going to let this happen to you. And Peter apparently knows best, right? That's how he comes across. And now here in Matthew 26, when Jesus says that, that this very night you will all fall away from me, and Peter says, even if everybody else falls away, I never will. Once again, Peter is telling Jesus, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. And Peter is arguing with Jesus. And what you see, Peter has a history of denying Jesus, of denying God's plan, of denying what had been prophesied in Scripture for thousands of years. Peter takes issue with it. Peter argues with it. Peter says, this will never happen. What's, what's the problem here? What is Peter's, what's the issue with Peter? And, and I think we got to identify this because I'm thinking if we, can, if we can identify what's going on with Peter, maybe we can identify what's going on with us. Why is it that we argue with God now and then? Why, do, why is it we don't accept his will? Why is it that we think we know better than God? You know, when God clearly lays out what his will for us is and we don't do it because we think we know better, 
So I would ask you, what's the, what's the issue? What is, what's the issue with Peter? And what I came up with is, is Peter is, it's his self. His self is in the way. His, his selfish desires. It's not what he wants. It's, it's his self-confidence. Peter is confident in himself. It, it's pride. That's the issue. And, and the Bible says pride goes before the fall. And Jesus warns him, I tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. And we see it play out. We go on in Matthew chapter 26. You get to verse 69. And here, this is after Jesus had been arrested. And all the other disciples had scattered. They'd all ran away in fear. And to Peter's credit, he continued to follow Jesus into the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest. And the trial had begun. And Peter's in the courtyard. And I can't help but think that Peter could see what was going on in Caiaphas's house. But apparently there was a lot of people in the courtyard. It says here in verse 69, Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before, before them all. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And then verse 71, then he went out to, to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was, was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again with an oath. I don't know this man. And then verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them for, for your accent gives you away. In verse 74, then he began to call down curses on himself. Then he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. In Luke 22, it adds another part. It says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. Apparently, they could see each other. And, 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 and the moment that, that Peter had denied Jesus that third time, they made eye contact. Can, can, you, can you imagine deny, denying Jesus? As Jesus said you would, and then making eye contact with him. Can you imagine the devastation? So this leads me to the question, what happened? I mean, Peter, we're talking about Peter here. What happened? The guy who walked on water, what happened to him? And, and, and I came up with a couple things. Could it, be, could it be his prayer life? You go to the garden, in the garden where, where Jesus said, yeah, sit here and, and, and watch and pray with me. And, and what did the disciples do? They all fell asleep. Verse 40, he returned his disciple, to his disciples, he found them sleeping. He said, could you, could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. That's, that's interesting, it caught my attention this week. Um, he, he's talking to the disciples, but it says he asked this of Peter. And then verse 41, he, watch and pray, and you will not fall into temptation. And he comes back in, and well, they they're sleeping again. They, they couldn't pray, they couldn't watch and pray. They were tired. They were exhausted, and, and Peter's sleeping. So it could, have, could, have, could it be that his prayer life was not what it should have been? And maybe that's why he denied Jesus. Or could it be 
that he was following at a distance. To his credit, he was still following Jesus. Everybody else had fallen away. But it, it says in uh, Matthew 26, verse 58, Verse 57, those who had, had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teacher of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance. There's a difference, difference between following Jesus and following him at a distance. Okay, he's still following, but he's not as close as he used to be. And I'm thinking, could that be an issue you have to deal with? You're still following Jesus, but you're not as close as you used to be. You're following from a distance now. That could be a problem. Or could it be that he's just in the wrong crowd? Because he was in the upper room with Jesus, with the disciples. That's when he says, I will never do that. Well, it's easy to say that thing when, when, when you're in the presence of Jesus. But now he's in the presence of Caiaphas. He's, he's in the courthouse of Caiaphas, the high priest, an enemy of Jesus, the guy who's trying to destroy Jesus. And this is where Peter is now. He's in the midst of the enemies of Jesus, the people who want to destroy Jesus. That's a scary place. And, and, and if, you're, if you're in the presence of God, you're in the presence of God's people, you can stand strong. But when you're not in the presence of God, when you're not in the presence of God's people, when you're all alone, it may be difficult to stand strong. Maybe that's the issue with Peter. Could it be that he's being more led by his flesh? And I, I do think this is a big part of it. You, you know, they, they, when Jesus was arrested, the, the guard came to arrest Jesus. And, and we know the story. Peter pulled out his sword and cut off one of the guard's ears. As if to say, get behind me, Jesus. I'll protect you. Get behind me, God. I will take care of you. What, who do we think we are? And, and why would you do such a thing? And it's, it's because of his flesh. He's being led by his flesh, not by his spirit. The, the, the one I really want to talk about here, it kind of goes back to, to number three in the wrong crowd. Um, his environment had changed. His environment had changed. From the upper room to Caiaphas Courthouse. And, and this is what I want us to deal with a little bit. Because... What, how are you going to be when your environment changes? You who are committed to Jesus Christ, you who have denied self, you who have made a commitment to follow Jesus, to pick up your cross and follow him daily, and then your environment changes. Now, I think in, the, in this room, we, our church is so blessed with so many wonderful young adults who love the Lord, and, and I praise God for that. You guys are awesome, and, um, and, and you, you fire us up. You keep us going. What if that environment changes? What if you're taken out of that crowd? What if, what if you have to move away? Your job takes you away or, you know, something, something, something happens and you don't have that support group anymore. How are you going to do? Are you, are you going to still stand with Jesus? Or are you going to fall away? If you've been blessed to be raised in a godly family, you got a godly mother, a godly father. They brought you to church and, and, and they, made, they made seeking Jesus Christ a priority um, so you're very blessed by that. But God forbid, what if something happens and, and you're taken out of that environment? Tragedy occurs. Are you still going to follow? Are you still going to be committed to Jesus Christ? 
Maybe it's your marriage that's keeping you strong and keeping you faithful because you've got a godly spouse who, who, who is encouraging you. you know, at times, they're the ones who's keeping you on, on the straight and narrow. Other times, you're the one keeping them on the straight and narrow. But you have each other. But the day might come when you don't have each other. Are you going to continue to walk with Jesus Christ? Are you going to continue to follow Jesus Christ? Or are you going to deny him and disown him? and fall away from him. I can, I can think of uh, so many scenarios. Well, you know, just, you know, we, we got a great church here. Maybe, maybe you know, you, you just, you love coming to, to church, uh, you, the worship, you know, the, 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 the Bible studies, you, you, small groups, you know, the preacher's good looking. You know, what if, uh, I just made that one up. Um, but nothing lasts forever. And what if something happens? My concern is what's going to happen to you? What is going to happen to you if something happens to us? What happens when your environment changes? And this is a very big concern of mine because you see it happening in our culture. Our culture is becoming more and more hostile to Jesus Christ all the time. And as our culture becomes hostile to Jesus... And you, who you've given your life to Jesus, to live for Jesus, to walk with Jesus, I will not be ashamed of the gospel because I know it's a power of salvation for everyone who believes. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you are ashamed of the gospel. What happened? Could it be because the environment changed? And now you find that you're not as strong as you used to be. You're not as committed as you used to be. And maybe you'll be able to identify with Peter. He began to call down curses on himself. He swore to them, I don't know the man. Can you imagine that being you? Uh, I, I would think Peter can't imagine it being him. Peter said, this will never be him. I will never do this. And, and that very night he was doing it, disowning Jesus. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Peter had just denied knowing the one who had called him. He just denied the one who miraculously healed his mother-in-law. The one who he'd witnessed cast out demons who fed 5,000 people, who calmed the storm, who walked on water and rescued him when he tried to walk on water. And now Peter had disowned Jesus. And he was devastated, and he was ashamed, and he was in anguish over his failure. And he was heartbroken. And, and, and if you can identify with this, and I'm betting a lot of people in this room can, you can identify with this. The, the time that you disowned Jesus to your shame, the time you, you did what you thought you would never do. And maybe you can identify with this. And there's no peace. You don't have peace with God. You, you're overwhelmed by guilt. You feel, you feel distant from your creator. And, and just a thought, when was the last time you wept over your sins? Maybe, here's a, here's a fear that we become so cold and callous about our sins. You know, hey, it happens, you know. 
When was the last time you wept bitterly over your sin? Because when you sin, you're denying Jesus Christ. And a fear that I have is that we don't weep too much over our sins. It just, it is what it is. And we don't, we don't even realize we're denying Jesus Christ. So when was the last time you wept over your sins? And another question I have is, how, how, how is Peter any different from Judas at this point? Because Judas gets a bad rap, and Peter, you know, everybody loves Peter. How are they any different? How are we any different from Judas? When we deny Jesus Christ, you know, ten times a day, by our actions, by our words. And another question I have, is there no hope? Is there no hope for Peter now because of what he's done, how he has denied Jesus three times? Judas thought there was no hope for him. Is there no hope for Peter? And, and, And where I see there is hope is Jesus says after Jesus says, he says, this very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. He says, I will meet you in Galilee. After you have scattered, after you have fallen away, after all of you have deserted me, Jesus says, I'll catch up with you in Galilee. There's hope. Right there tells me there's hope. Jesus knows what's going on, and, and Jesus tells them he will meet them in Galilee. And then you look at Mark chapter 16, uh, was verse 5, it says, As they entered the tomb, they, they saw a young man dressed in white robe. This is, this is at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, and they were alarmed. And he says, Don't be alarmed. He said, You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but he is risen. He's not here. See the place where, where they laid him. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You see that emphasis, right? And go tell, and you make sure you tell Peter. Peter needs to hear this. Peter needs to know that Jesus still cares about him. Maybe that's a message that somebody in this room needs to hear. Jesus still cares about you. Jesus still, yes, he knows that you're going to fall away. He knows that you're going to do what you're going to do. But he still loves you. He's still coming after you. He still wants to meet up with you. In, in, in the, the whole restoration, the, the, the good part of the story here is in, in, in John chapter 21. When, when Peter went back to fishing because, hey, Jesus had died, he'd been crucified, um, he had denied him. Peter goes back to his old ways, he goes back to fishing, and, and there Jesus was on the beach with a fire, once again telling Peter how to fish, you know, cast your nets on the other side. And, and then that's when Peter realized, it's, it's the Lord. And he jumps out of the boat, he swims ashore. And then this is what it says in uh, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And, and first of all, get this here. What, what Peter says, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. In verse 16, Jesus again said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Keep in mind, this is a big, big thing here that Peter learned. Jesus knows more than Peter knows. Peter doesn't know nothing. Jesus knows everything. Jesus, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, take care of my sheep. In verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt 
because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know. You know all things. And here Peter is broken before God. He's not bragging. He's not, he's not overly confident. No bold assertions. He's just humbly confessing and recognizing that Jesus is Lord. Jesus knows. I don't know. But he says, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And I just look at this and think, you know, Jesus doesn't scold Peter for disowning him, but he doesn't coddle him either. Peter was hurt and Jesus allowed him to be hurt. Maybe Peter needed to be hurt. Maybe we need to be hurt now and then because of our sins, because of our, our denial of the Word of God, denial of, of our, our, our commitment to God. Jesus didn't soft-pedal it. He said what had to be said, what, what Peter needed to hear. What, and, and, and Peter Peter was changed. And I, I, I try to make this uh, relevant for us. And we, we can talk about Peter. It's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating story, interesting story. What's it have to do with us? And, and, and what it has to do with us is, is all the times that we deny Jesus by our words, by our actions, uh, by choosing our sin over obedience. All, all the times that we fail, and, and, and maybe you've wondered, can, can God forgive me? Could God ever forgive me? I meet, I meet so many people who think God can't forgive them. And, and I would tell you, look at Peter. Look at Peter. Peter went on to become a dynamic servant of Jesus Christ. He wasn't perfect, but he was changed. He was more humble. He was more bold. He was more dependent on God. Less flesh, more spirit. He learned from his experience, and he was bold and courageous for the cause of Christ. Not, not for his way, but for God's way. He went on from denying Jesus Christ to denying himself. He went on to take up his cross and to follow Jesus. And I would ask you, if you find yourself in this situation, and we all will, because we will all fall away from time to time, just a couple of thoughts. First of all, learn from your mistake. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, He who conceals his sin does not prosper. There's another version of the same verse here. It says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be, be successful. Are you learning from your mistakes? Are you, are you learning from your failures? Um, Proverbs 20, verse 30 says, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. It's a, it's a paraphrase. But sometimes it takes a painful situation for us to change our ways. And, and the truth is, you know, we, we can say we're going to change all day long, but usually we don't change until we have to change, until something forces us to change. And often that's, that's something painful. Something painful forces us to fall on our knees and, and change. Pain is the megaphone of God. What are you learning? What are you learning through the pain? What are you learning through, through the failure? What Peter learned is that Jesus knows best. What, what, what he learned that Jesus knows what he's talking about, and Peter doesn't know what he's talking about. That's a great place to start right there. Have you learned that lesson? God knows more than me. Imagine that. 
God knows more than me. God knows more than you. That was a hard lesson for Peter to learn for some reason, but he finally learned it. So are we learning from our mistakes? Secondly, are we letting go of our mistakes? And, and, and get this here, a couple of verses. Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was pierced for our mistakes. He was pierced for our failures. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. He took it so that we can let it go, so that we can go on, so we can become what he wants us to be, which is more dependent on him. God specializes in forgiving and giving fresh starts to people who have failed. And thirdly, we must come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. And, and Luke 22 tells the, the, the same story, but uh, the, where, 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 where Jesus is talking to Peter, this is what's going to happen. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. Stop right there. Just think about that. Uh, Satan wants to sift each one of us as wheat. Satan wants to destroy each one of us. But, but what, what this says here, Jesus says, I've prayed for you, Peter. And I want you to think, understand this. Jesus is praying for you too. Jesus is interceding for you. He says, I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And when you have turned back, Jesus is counting on us turning back. After we have failed, he's counting on us to come back. He wants us to come back. We need to come back. In the end, Peter's faith didn't fail. He did turn back. He did strengthen his brothers. He did feed the lambs. He did take care of the sheep. And so the lesson, when we, look at, when we look at Peter and his failure, his mistake, which Jesus prophesied, he knew what was going to happen. A couple things that stand out to me. You are not forsaken when you fail. You can be forgiven when you fail. Do you, do you understand that? Do you know that? And you do have a future in Jesus Christ. You might have a dynamic ministry waiting for you. What, what Peter learned is exactly what Paul learned too. I mean, Paul said, I'm, I'm the worst of the sinners. But yet, look at what, what, what Jesus did with Paul. And, and Peter, was, Peter was a failure. But look at what Jesus did with Peter. And when we look at our lives, what can God do with me? God can do a lot with you. God can do a lot with you. I love this story. I'm going to close with this story here of Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson, um, do you remember that name? He was, he was very influential to me. He wrote some great books. He was in the cabinet, uh, President Nixon's cabinet, uh, Watergate. Watergate's all about him. Um, and, and, and Chuck Colson is a modern-day Peter. Um, he found the ministry uh, to prisoners called Prison Fellowship, if, if, if you're familiar with that. He once said, the great paradox of my life is that every time I walk into prison and see the faces of men and women who have been transformed by the power of the living God, I realize that the thing God has chosen to use in my life, this is Chuck Colson saying this, the thing God chose to use in my life is none of the successes, achievements, or degrees, or awards, or honors, or cases I won before the Supreme Court. I mean, Chuck Colson was a pretty influential guy. He was a brilliant guy. He says, God didn't use any of that. That's not what God used in my life, what God used in my life to touch the lives of, of literally thousands of, of other people through prison fellowship is the fact that I was a convicted criminal and I went to prison. 
that, that's what God used. So you think about your failure, you think about your shortcomings, you think about how you have messed up. That could be the very thing that God uses to bring glory to his name if you would just come back. Come back. Give it to God. Allow him to wash that sin away and become dependent on Christ, not yourself, not your flesh. You live by his spirit and you live for his glory. Can anybody relate to this story?